Hi, and welcome to Nation State of Play. I'm your host, Brian Miller. On each episode of this podcast, we explore high-impact topics determining the future of our nation state. Our guests today are Ron Haas, president of the Southern California News Group, and Jim Hewitt, general counsel of the California News Publishing Association. They join us to discuss a critical issue relating to AB5 that could lead to a dramatic restructuring of local news as we know it throughout the state of California. I hope you listen to this important episode. Well, Jim and Ron, thank you so much for being here today. So glad to be talking about this topic with you guys. Thanks for having us, Thanks for having us, yeah. Great. Well, Ron, why don't I start with you? Could you give the listeners a little bit of background about the Southern California News Group and your organization? Sure. It's a network of uh, 11 daily publications and multiple weekly publications here in Southern California. Uh, the largest publication most people are probably familiar with is the Orange County Register, but it also includes the Los Angeles Daily News, the Press Enterprise uh, down in Riverside, the Press Telegram in Long Beach, and many others that I won't bore your listeners with, uh, but all of them are uh, independently communitized newspapers that are um, seeking to deliver good, strong local news to the communities that they serve. We have weekly publications as well, uh, Hispanic publications, La Prensa, Excelsior. Uh, we have some magazines, and of course, all of our publications have uh, independent websites uh, where we have uh, subscri- subscribers uh, who, um, who subscribe to that content as well. Great. Well, it's helpful background, and, and yeah, let's get to those circulation issues. So everybody's least favorite topic in Sacramento is 85. Um, but you guys have a particularly acute uh, problem with it and something that's really um, stands to impact people throughout the state that I think, unfortunately, too few people have heard about. So, Jim, could you, could you tee up what this issue is with AB5? Certainly. Well, uh, you know, it all goes back to the state Supreme Court's decision in 2018 in the Dynamics case, uh, where the court created uh, a three-pronged test for determining uh, who qualifies as an independent contractor in the state of California. And AB5 was introduced last year by um, Assemblywoman Gonzalez to uh, try to, to deal with some of the issues arising from that case. Um, and uh, on, as part of that, um, uh, she began to allow for carve-outs for particular industries. Um, and uh, we were lucky enough last year to um, convince the legislature, uh, even though they weren't willing to give the news carriers that are used by newspapers uh, a permanent exemption or, or carve out, if you will, from the law, uh, we were successful in getting an extension of the application of the uh, three-pronged test called the ABC test uh, to the industry. Um, what that means is not that, you know, there's no standard that governs, you know, how uh, independent contractor newspaper carriers uh, are are used. Uh, the Borello standard um, that's been the law for many, many years in California still applies in making that determination. Uh, but um, the, the one-year exemption that we obtained was really for the purpose of trying to uh, work with interested stakeholders and to develop alternative distribution models that would help the industry come into compliance on January 1st of 2021. 
unfortunately, as we were, began that process, uh, COVID-19 happened and newspapers sustained uh, devastating advertising revenue losses as a result of that. Um, on, on average, uh, smaller newspapers experienced up to 56% uh, loss. Uh, a lot of our daily members uh, up to 50%. Uh, and that was May, excuse me, um, April through, through June. Uh, now that things are uh, starting to uh, go back to the way they were back then, um, the projected losses are, are very similar going forward. And so um, the economic recovery period for newspapers um, is looking pretty bleak in the near future. Combine that with the increase in costs that will be necessary to comply with AB5. Um, in some cases, for uh, smaller publications, it would be up to 85%. Um, that whipsaw effect uh, is gonna have a, an extremely detrimental impact on the ability of newspapers and, and the news industry uh, to serve readers. Um, and at a time when the demand for content, especially uh, ironically about COVID-19, um, has never been greater. Yeah, I mean, it, it's such a strange time in media. And, um, you know, I certainly see these with my clients because I do a lot of media buying to advertise for public affairs issues. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we see some strange, uh, strange issues both going on with the amount of availability of, of reporters' time who are either covering COVID or not working at all, it seems like. But, but also with, uh, with, with the advertising availability. So I certainly appreciate what you're talking about. Um, Ron, could you, could you maybe dig in a little bit more as to if this exemption or this extension isn't granted on AB5's implementation, what it would truly mean to the industry? Sure, I, Brian, it would, be, it would be tragic what would happen to the industry if, uh, if we don't figure out a, a better path forward. You know, our, our um, publication and, and much of our community here in Southern California is unhappy with how AB5 was, uh, was um, put into law as well. Yes, it was meant to codify a uh, court decision, but, you know, generally we like to think that, that legislators are meant to create the law, not the judicial branch. And if, uh, and if a judicial branch makes a ruling, the, the legislators have a chance to fix it and correct it. And I guess in some ways you could argue that that's what they did, right? Because they, uh, they created the Assembly Bill 5 and then they began to file a list of exemptions. And so they began to modify and create their own law. But uh, you know, our, our position is when, you, when, you, when the government starts picking winners and losers, it's generally, that's a pretty good case for a bad law. But that's what we're stuck with. That's what we were dealt with. And, and you know, we tried to have uh, of conversations with uh, the, the legislators last year during this process and really emphasize to them the, the traumatic impact that implementation and compliance with AB5 was going to have, not on necessarily the owners of our publications or the publications themselves, but on the readers. That is who is going to be most affected, the readers of our publications. Because what a lot of people don't understand is that delivery costs for newspapers is generally your highest cost. The most expensive thing that we do is deliver newspapers to, to our, our subscribers' houses each day. And as we talked about earlier, the, the decline of advertising revenue because of the internet and other factors has taken a big chunk of our expenditures already out of the picture. 
so we've had to, you know, we've had to really figure out how to operate with a lot less money. Um, but delivery is delivery. It costs us a, a, a great amount of money to be able to put out a publication every day. When that money, when that dis delivery cost uh, was analyzed as to what, what it would need to be in order for us to comply with uh, AB5, we found that it ranged anywhere from uh, 50 to, to 60% all the way up to over 100% for some publications. I think the studies uh, looked at the state of California and said it would be closer to 65 to or 80%, I think, as uh, in, in, uh, in the whole as the state. But what that means is that businesses which are already operating either with very little margin of profit, no profit or losing money, we're gonna to have to figure out ways to double their most expensive cost. And so how do we do that, right? There's just no way for us to continue to operate, to continue to produce good quality local journalism if the largest expense we have doubles. Um, so things that we're, we're looking at across the board, every, every publisher from uh, Northern California and Southern California are looking at, uh, at a lot of the same issues. That would be um, reducing the days of week in which we can deliver, not being able to put out seven days a week of, of a publication anymore. Uh, it's looking at uh, certain pockets of our circulation area where perhaps there's not enough advertising dollars to support that market being open anymore. And with, with the increased cost of delivery, maybe we would have to just shut the entire market down. Uh, it's looking at uh, um, maybe later deliveries if we have to move some of our deliveries into the postal service. And then lastly, um, it's gonna really have an impact on the rest of our operations. We'll, we'll probably have to raise subscription rates. Uh, they'll skyrocket to, to have to offset some of these costs. That in and of itself will create even more drama as customers can't afford the rate increases. Uh, and then sadly, it'll, it will it'll affect uh, the rest of our operation uh, journalistically. We'll have to reduce the number of people that we have doing the work of covering local journalism, all to try to offset this new regulatory uh, damage that AB5 is doing. And, and if I could, Brian, just to, to piggyback on what Ron said, um, you know, and, and the impact it's going to have on, on particular readers, you know, if some of the more expensive delivery routes are eliminated, as Ron was, was saying earlier, it's unfortunately going to have a disproportionate impact on rural areas since those tend to be the most expensive routes. So people who are already um, uh, dealing with uh, connection issues uh, with the internet, uh, where it may be spotty, um, are going to have a difficult time getting information about the communities and connecting to their communities. And elderly people who don't um, uh, favor the internet for uh, getting information are also going to be impacted by that um, because they like having that newspaper, um, even though it's a generational thing. Um, so it's, it's going to have a, a tremendous impact on the ability of people to remain connected to their communities. And that, that would just be a horrible thing uh, at a time, as I said before, when information is sought after uh, from trusted sources more, uh, more and more these days. So, so Jim and Ron, when, when you make these arguments to 
members of the legislature, what's their response? Because they, they must understand the real pain and all these unintended consequences that this is going to cause to the industry. Uh, how, do, how do they push back on that? What, what's their defense for this? Well, in, in my conversations, and I'll, I'll let Ron go um, very quickly, um, I think almost to a person, whether they're a legislator or a staff member, um, very empathetic uh, with the argument. And, and I think they see the value that newspapers provide to, uh, you know, communities and, and to themselves. I mean, I think they value what newspapers, the information that newspapers provide. I would just tell you, Brian, that I find the same when I have conversations with legislators. A lot of uh, of empathy. I mean, they, they all understand we're a we're a First Amendment protected um, industry, and they most of them, not all of them, but most of them really appreciate good local news within their market. Some of them probably who become targets of stories may not appreciate it quite as much, uh, but I think the majority of them understand the long term benefits of having a good, strong local news media. Uh, but there are forces at work in, in, in the legislature that, uh, that probably are even more powerful than their empathy. You know, these, the AB5 was, was set up to really put a, a cap on the growing gig economy. Um, we know what businesses that entails. That is not us. That is not the newspaper uh, uh, industry. We're an industry that's in transformation. We're an industry that's trying to move from uh, a print-only um, uh, type of industry to a digital-only type of industry, um, but 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 it is an expensive process to go through. And what we're trying to do is carefully manage that transition so that we can do our best of serving that First Amendment-protected product to our readers. And I just don't know that our legislators understand that. I think they feel like we're just simply trying to get out of it because we don't we don't care about the uh, the cause. Um, the fact of the matter is we don't believe we were the initial reasoning for AB5. We're what I guess some would call collateral damage. Um, but I think there's a reluctance to let our industry um, move forward with that transition. We're, we're respectfully requesting it, um, and it's not necessarily registering with uh, certain members of the legislature. So let's talk about that politics a little bit more. A lot of empathy, a lot of good conversations you have, but clearly some members who are in powerful positions are not with you or this would have been fixed already. Is that fair, first of all? Very much. Okay. So I'm curious about the politics driving that opposition. Like, For instance, where is organized labor on what you're asking for now? Clearly they were the, the impetus behind AB5 initially. How do they feel about your ask? Um, well, we've we've had a conversation with with uh, at least uh, a couple of organized labor uh, folks, and uh, they haven't come out with any formal opposition yet. Um, uh, so I, it's unclear, quite frankly. I know that uh, just generally speaking, that organized labor tends to look at any potential exemption uh, from AB5 uh, very skeptically. Uh, and so I would imagine that they're probably looking at this very skeptically as well. Um, but uh, in, in the conversations that we've had, uh, they haven't told us at least that they uh, have come out with any formal opposition yet. 
Got it. What about leadership? Uh, when, when you have this conversation with not just at the committee level, but um, chamber leadership or the governor's office, what's your sense of how they feel about this? And some of the communications that we've had with the governor's office, I think they, uh, they fall into the empathy category. Um, and, and we've had several conversations with them and they seemed eager to learn more. And um, I, I think willing to, to help to the extent that they can. Um, uh, within the legislature itself, I think that there's uh, support from, from the Senate side um, I think the assembly, um, uh, you know, it's going to be driven by Assemblywoman Gonzalez. Uh, and as, as uh, I think everyone knows, she's already publicly stated that she's opposed to uh, uh, us seeking uh, a, another exemption or extension. Okay, Jim. Well, so you had a successful vote yesterday in the Senate. Could you tell us about AB 323 and what that bill would do? Sure. Um, it, it's a bill that we've dubbed the Save Local Journalism Act um, to provide economic relief for newspapers, um, uh, both because of COVID-19 and in an attempt to try to comply with uh, provisions of AB5. It would give uh, the newspaper industry an additional two years to comply with the uh, ABC test, uh, give us time to work with stakeholders, develop alternate uh, distribution models um, and uh, try to figure out a way that's cost effective uh, to continue to provide a print product to our home delivery subscribers. Uh, the other part of the bill would provide uh, that um, for uh, local and community uh, media organizations that um, when the state is uh, making decisions about where to place ad dollars for uh, their marketing and outreach programs, state and, and, and state agencies primarily, uh, that they consider um, local uh, media and ethnic uh, news organizations uh, first in making those decisions. Uh, it wouldn't uh, create any additional um, uh, allocation for, for money. It only would um, uh, require agencies that where allocations have already been made, they're already in their budgets uh, to uh, prioritize um, local and, and ethnic media outlets uh, for the placement of the advertising. Got it. So, so Ron, could you talk a little bit more about that specific part of the bill and how important that is to the industry? Yeah, sure. I, I, think, um, I think it's very critical that it be heard and understood because you know this is a time in our own environment where we're really elevating the discussion of uh, ethnic equality and racial diversity and what what is transpiring between the impact of AB5 and the COVID crisis is that uh, our, our publications that are ethnic oriented or in community publication community um, um, more rural communities are going to have their voices silenced um, and, and this is the worst time for that to happen. This is the time when members of our ethnic uh, uh, media should be elevated. Uh, we should be having those conversations and, and discussions about um, what the priorities of our community should be. Many of the readers of those community publications, uh, the rural community publications, the ethnic publications, 
those publications oftentimes are the only way in which they get information related to their community. Think about people who don't have uh, English as their first language, who are raised on, uh, on an ethnic language that, from that newspaper that, from which they read. I think the author of our, our bill, uh, Assembly Member Blanca Rubio, uh, shared that with me the other day, that her parents grew up reading La Opinion. And that was the lifeline they had to the country that they were living in through the language that they understood. And they've continued to read it ever since. And that is, uh, that's the very um, lifeline that's being threatened by both the um, COVID crisis and AB5 and what our AB323 bill is set to correct. It gives us a chance to elevate those groups and also to give time for local media as a whole to find alternative distribution models while we're moving towards a more digital first future. So I'm sure California isn't the only state dealing with gig economy regulation and, and how we should be treating these issues. So I'm curious as you guys have gotten immersed in this issue over the last few years, is there, a, is there another state that provides a better model um, than what California is pursuing? I'm sure there's some states that aren't regulating at all, but is, is, there a, is there a middle ground here that you think could be a model for California? None that I'm aware of, Brian. Uh, I know New York is looking at adopting a model that's similar to AB5 um, uh, for, for their uh, uh, residents. Uh, but as far as a, um, a hybrid model or, you know, some other approach, uh, I'm, I'm not aware of it. I, I'm, uh, I'm nervous to tell you, to answer your question, there's 49 states that have a better plan than California. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, Jim, Jim's correct that there are, there have been some states where the, where some similar um, independent contractor ABC definition rulings have been made, but those almost to, to, a, to a T, those states have all recognized the important role of local journalism and have carved out exemptions for them so that they are able to continue to do the job of communicating and informing the local readers uh, without having to be burdened by that regulation. But here's my fear. The rest of the country follows California oftentimes. And while this right now is a fight in the state of California, if it does not get resolved, and if, if, if the um, legislature and, and the labor forces within the legislature insist on forcing regulatory changes to local news media, it's going to explode to the rest of the country. State after state after state are gonna see that as a way to, uh, to support whatever um, uh, labor, labor forces they have as well. So it, that's my fear that this is not just going to be a local California problem, but it's going to become a, an American problem pretty soon. It's interesting you, you bring that up to, to your point. Uh, AB5 made national news again today when the Uber CEO was, was apparently on uh, CNBC this morning and said that they would essentially shut down in California if AB5 um, fully goes into effect and they're not successful with um, some of the last ditch efforts they have in litigation. Uh, that's that's some political hardball, um, you know. Bringing back taxi cabs to California would certainly get people's attention before uh, this is uh, the full repeal is on the ballot in November. Um, so I'm curious as to where you guys stand on this broader ballot initiative issue, which would, um, you know, uh, fully repeal AB5. Of course, is that something you support? Well, I, I don't think it would fully repeal AB5. I think what it would do is it would give um, Uber and Lyft drivers 
um, a hybrid um, model that they could use as an alternative um, to make determinations about whether their drivers are appropriately classified as independent contractors. Uh, but, you know, I, I got to tell you, you know, even before full compliance with AB5 on January 1st, if we don't get this bill done, just because of COVID and, and you know, the, the battles that newspapers are having for their existence right now, over 18 newspapers have ceased their print operation right now. I mean, newspapers in the northeastern part of the state, uh, in Plumas and Lassen County, um, the, the communities of Glendale and Burbank almost lost their papers completely, but for uh, a great publisher who came in and, and purchased those to make sure that uh, those communities would continue to be served. Um, the Tolucan Lake Times has closed its doors permanently, um, mostly as a result of uh, the problems created by COVID-19, and that is only going to accelerate um, if we can't get some relief on January 1st. That really means now, meaning this month in this legislative session. That's exactly um, right. So uh, if people want to get more involved, find out how to help your campaign. I, I know there's a few weeks left in the legislative session, so it's, it's more critical than ever to get the word out, talk to your members of the legislature, contact the governor's office. W where can they go to find out more about the campaign? SaveMyPaper.com is the website uh, that they can get uh, information about our efforts, how they can, uh, how people can sign up and, and help us and support us and uh, how they can engage uh, with their uh, assembly member and senator and, uh, and support the effort to, um, to help save their newspapers. Great. Well, Jim, Ron, thank you both for being here. Thanks for working on this really important. I truly believe it's a First Amendment issue and really appreciate you, you focusing on this. Um, congratulations on the vote yesterday, but I know you got a lot more work to do. So best we of luck with did. the next few weeks. Thank, thank you very you, much. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for listening to Nation State of Play. Our producers are Hannah Miller and Jacqueline Artiaga. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. For more information, click through the link on your podcast app to our homepage.